Today's episode of the Ringer NFL Show and the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by World Central Kitchen. Their relief team is working across America to safely distribute individually packaged fresh meals in communities that need support. They're now serving tens of thousands of meals daily in some of our biggest cities like New York and L.A. And they're launching initiatives across America to deliver fresh, hot meals to hospitals and clinics fighting on the front lines while keeping local restaurants and business as well. You can directly help the heroes in hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us, and you can help keep your local restaurants alive. Go to theringer.com slash WCK to donate. Please, we're trying to raise 250000 and if you have means, it's an unbelievably great and useful cause that helps our hospital heroes, emergency workers, and local restaurants. Please give whatever you can. The money goes directly to World Central Kitchen, and it's a charitable donation. Once again, that's theringer.com slash WCK. It's the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. Joining me, Dark Knight, draft guru, mock draft specialist, Danny Kelly. Danny, how are you, buddy? I'm doing really well, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great because we're about to do a very fun exercise, which is we're going to go through your final mock draft. How many mock drafts did you do? This is my sixth total. So, Are you peaking at the right time? I sure hope so. I mean, it's very difficult to get a lot of mock draft answers correct. I think like the best of the best get like six or seven picks maybe out of the 32. Mm. So no, I got a feeling about this. I got a feeling about <laughs> going, this 32 going 32 for 32. For 32. Hell yeah. yeah. Let's start with the top. I'm, I'm fairly sure that this one's going to work out. Give me number one, Cincinnati. Who are they taking? This one I'm taking straight to the bank. Uh, Joe Burrow from LSU. Yeah. I think it's been locked in for the last few months. No real mystery there, and it is the right pick for them, I believe, because they need to, you know, get a new guy that is going to be the franchise, the face of their franchise, bring them out of sort of the the mire that they've been in. I don't know if that necessarily will happen with uh, the way that they go about their business, but he's good enough, I believe, to elevate that entire team. Um, yeah, he's just really, really accurate. As we talked about on the quarterback show the other day, you know, just supremely confident, ice in his veins, and, and under pressure and all that. So uh, everything to like about Burrow. I had a good talk with Greg McElroy, former Alabama quarterback, current SEC Network analyst. And we are talking about both Tua and Burrow. And I asked him what what the Bengals need to do to get Burrow to have immediate success like some of the quarterbacks we've seen in the past three, four, five years. Uh, immediate success is seen as kind of the the norm now instead of an right. exception for for young quarterbacks um there's a lot of reasons for that we've talked about mo- many of them on this podcast but his point which that was interesting was look it seems so obvious but you have to surround him with talent because when he was at LSU the whole thing was what's my mismatch and then hitting the mismatch right whether that's right. Jefferson on the second say you know on the safety or whatever it is right he was able to identify that immediately and take advantage and so a lot of his success is going to be predicated upon the offense that they build around him in cincinnati aj green is a nice start um they have a they have a decent running game um what kind of of year do you expect for for rookie joe burrow I yeah, I'm actually pretty bullish on him, and and, and as yeah. you know, I cover the fantasy football part of the the game as well, and I'm excited about well, how he'll elevate the guys around him. Mm-hmm. I think Tyler Boyd is a very good slot receiver that can kind of play that Justin Jefferson role as the like you said, the guy that they can get him matched up, they can move him around the, the formation, they can do the same thing with AJ Green. 
um, move him around the formation, put him in motion, do all that stuff to kind of, you know, try and find the mismatches. And I hope, very much hope, that they bring a lot of the schemes and I guess just yeah. like philosophies of what they did at LSU last year to the Bengals offense this year. Otherwise, then it, that's when I start to worry a little bit if if they don't do that. But I, I do believe that's what they're they're ultimately going to do. And so um, I'm very bullish kind of on what he can do for this offense. Getting Jonah Williams back at left tackle should be a big boon for them. Um, and yeah, so I, I just think overall I'm, I'm very optimistic about what he can do as a rookie. Yeah, look, Zach Taylor has a system. He worked under McVay. We know what he wants to run, but I think he has enough flexibility to understand that you can run some of the some of the LSU stuff, put five receivers in a route and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where he, that's where he excels is just decision making. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Make it make a decision and hit it. That that was that was where he excelled last year and with LSU that was perfect. Number 2 to Washington, Chase Young. Uh, yeah. de- uh, defensive end slash pass rusher. I just think this is a no-brainer pick for them too. Um, gives them the ability, sort of like what Nick Bosa was for the 49ers last year, um, just a force multiplier for everybody else that's on that defensive line in that whole front seven. Um, you know, there's there's they have like three or four former first round picks on the off on the defensive line already. Adding him in there just makes that front very, very fearsome talented across the board so i'm really excited to kind of see how he can turn around that defense maybe transform the entire defense because he's that good of a player he's um i think i saw a tweet by uh, that that mentioned scott McLuhan, former nfl gm and and super scout type guy former redskins gm there you go yeah i forgot about that um he said that young is the best defensive end prospect he's scouted so um, I believe that's what he said. So, it, I mean, he's that good of a guy. This is the caliber of of player that you're getting in Chase Young. So, I think to me, that's it's going to be enticing for them to trade back. But I don't know. At some point, you know, volume versus taking an elite prospect, you have to you have to weigh your options. But I think he's that good of a player that you know take take what you got there at number two and and, and build that defense out. Okay, I read your scouting report. I read what you think about the fit here. Am I reading it correctly that you kind of like this Redskins defense? I mean, I certainly like their front. I mean, with, yeah. uh, you know, Jonathan Williams, Ron Payne, Montez Sweat from last year, who's super, super athletic. When you get that many guys in the front, um, it makes things very, very difficult, obviously, for the opposing offensive line. There's no one that you can really focus on in theory. And so, um, like I said, he's kind of a force multiplier. It just makes everyone around him better. And I think that they're certainly a potential for them to take a big jump. I don't know if I'm ready to say that I really like them, but yeah, I think, you know, new, new don't hate them. Yeah, exactly. I like Ron Rivera. I do too. And so I, I, yeah, I'm bullish, I guess. Yeah. And I think that part of the chase young pick in general is that Ron Rivera wants to start building this defense in the way that he likes. And so I'm not, I'm not surprised. And I think that if this wasn't Ron Rivera head coach, the possibilities of number two would probably be a little bit different. Not to say that Chase... I mean, Chase Young is probably the the most talented player in this draft. Yeah. I, I've got him rated number one on my board, and yeah. that that tells you a lot because I really like both Burrow and Tua as talents. So, yeah, I think he is just, you know, as much of a no-brainer pick here uh, as you can get. I just think it makes a lot of sense for them for what they're trying to do, what, what Ron Rivera wants to do. It all kind of lines up. So I'm guessing this is going to be their pick. Speaking of head coaches who want a player to unlock their defense... Detroit Lions, number three. <laughs> the Detroit Lions, who, by the way, will have a Winnebago 
in their parking lot <laughs> at their Allen Park facility for their IT to guy, IT guy to essentially live in on draft day to make sure there's no technological hiccups. An amazing. Who are they bit. taking? Amazing Who are they taking bit. with their with their number three pick that will go off without a hitch because of their their IT guys Winnebago? I'm going with the chalk answer here, Jeff Akuda from Ohio State, yeah. Chase Young's teammate. Um, again, just one of the most clean, game ready, pro ready cornerback prospects uh, in recent memory. Just kind of reminds you of Marshawn Lattimore a little bit. Like very very fast, can play multiple techniques, good size, great speed, elite athleticism, good ball skills. It's just like he checks all the boxes. There's not a lot to say. They got they traded away Darius Slay, so they need a number one corner in that in that defense. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think so too. I mean, I think there's probably an argument for them to take a quarterback if they love him and just sit him alongside Stafford. But I just don't think that that teams are quite frankly bold enough to do that, even though we know the value of the, the quarterback position. Um, and I, th- I'm saying this is a Matt Stafford fan. I'm just saying when, right. when you have the third pick and there's, there's quarterbacks there, you have to at least think about it. All right. Four New York giants, Dave Gettleman on the clock. This one was tough because I think there's just because so many different giants? directions. Yeah. They're the giants. You never, how can you read Dave Gettleman's mind? Um, ultimately I went with, uh, like Occam's razor on this. He's going to go for a hog molly. And I lean Tristan Wirfs of Iowa just because the combination of his size and athleticism, I think is going to be very, very intriguing. He can play both the left and the right tackle position. So he can come in potentially in year one and play right tackle, um, switch over to the left side after, uh, you know, the solder regime or, or the solder is gone from that offense or whatever. Experiment. The yeah, experiment. Experiment is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you know it could be Dredrick Wills, could be Beckton, it could be Andrew Thomas, any of these guys, and it could be Isaiah Simmons. That's the other kind of thought that a lot of people are having. But to me, I just went with Worfs just because of the size, athleticism, versatility, all that. Who is the best lineman in this draft? I have Worfs rated okay. the highest, and but. To be honest, they're all very, very close. I believe in, in my final in my final big board, there are eight, nine, ten, and eleven. There's just four straight tackles right there. I think all four of them are going to go off in the top ten, and they're all very, very good players. But I just like Worfs the most, basically because of all those things I just said. You know, plus he's just really fun to watch on tape. I think. So there's a report from Ian Rappaport and others that the Dolphins might trade up in the draft to take a tackle. <laughs> yeah. To Do take you believe an Andrew this? Thomas type. I I don't I don't know. It yeah. seems like such a strange rumor that I almost believe it. Like weirdly specific. Yeah. Yeah, it's so specific <laughs> that I'm just like, oh. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. To me, it feels like a, a little bit of a smokescreen for them. You know, I don't know like what it their It feels like one of those be. things that they they leak to someone in the organization to see who's leaking. Like they just they just gave like ten different people yeah, different yeah. scenarios. They're like, <laughs> let's just see what shows up. Um number five, Miami Dolphins, the team that has been linked to Tua or at least the top pick for over a year now because their whole thing was they were tanking for Tua. Now he might be available at five. What happens? I mean, honestly, I have no idea. This this is the this is the hardest I think pick in the entire draft, just because there is an incredible amount of smoke right now that he's going to drop precipitously, maybe on draft day. Um, purely, and I think mostly because of the injury situation, the injury risk. People are very worried about that. We know NFL teams are typically very conservative and all that. 
Um, and you have to think like when there's a lot of smoke, sometimes that means there's fire, but how, I don't know. I just don't know if I believe it. I, I really just think it, this is all sort of just the things that teams do in the week before the draft to try and throw people off their scent. I think Tua is that good that he's worth the risk. So I've got him at number five to the dolphins. And honestly, it wouldn't be that surprising if they did that trade up so they could grab Tua at number three. So I don't understand how this offseason is going to play out because no one does. So Sean Payton comes right. out today and says there's not going to be an offseason program at all for the for the Saints, even if they're allowed to by league rules. Mini camps in June, just done. I think that we probably overlook how valuable it is for teams to have post-draft mini camps. Um, right. Malcolm Butler famously showed up at a tryout essentially um with 20 other guys that hadn't hadn't made the team after his draft uh, where he went undrafted and his west alabama testing numbers were wrong and the patriots got to see him up close and they put him on the roster and then he made the most famous one of the most famous plays the last 20 years shortly thereafter and that's not gonna be able to happen at all and this is a long way of me saying if you draft a guy who's a medical question right now I don't know. I'm not going to do the Doctor Strange simulate three billion times thing and figure <laughs> out what's going on because no one knows how this plays out. And can he get, can he rehab effectively? Can he even play the first season? I have no idea. This is the strangest offseason in our lifetimes. Yeah. The, all the little ripple effects are completely unknowable right now. I just don't know how that affects anything. Do you have a, a, a thought on how the 2020 offseason will affect two of the prospects. Uh, well, that's the problem is I suspect that teams that are already conservative might even go more conservative. Um, ultimately, I just can't, I just can't say that I think two is going to fall that, that far. I just think he's that rare of a prospect at the quarterback position. He's that good um, when yeah. healthy. So yeah, that's, I, I had to go through this entire thought process and I went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on it whether to believe sort of like all the smoke that's happening right now about Tua. But ultimately I just decided, I think, I think the dolphins are going to take him. And like I said, they may even trade up for him. I, or they might trade up for Andrew Thomas. (laughs) I, I will say, I I think it's so strange the entire, just back to the offseason part real quick. So a lot of people have told me that this might be the most talented undrafted free agent class in history because everyone's mm. afraid of drafting anybody with red flags, whether that's medical character or they were at a small, you know, being at a small school is not a red flag, but it's still, you have less information. So right. that it, it plays out differently. And the flip side of that is that the lions, for instance, have already said that they're not going to take on a bunch of undrafted free agents because Quite frankly, there's no way to to get them up to speed or see them on the field or whatever. What are you going right. to have them zoom? You're going to zoom in with them and they're going to run around their backyard. Like it's <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah, and so it might be the deepest undrafted free agent class in history, but it also might be the smallest. This is oh, incredible. that's weird. I you almost feel like the guys who didn't get drafted this year. You almost feel like teams should just double dip next year and say, "I you played at Oregon for four years. I'm just come to this tryout. Just stay in yeah. shape and come to this tryout." Smart teams are going to do this. Man, yeah, this is so bizarre, so bizarre. And I, yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely true. Like they are already at such a steep, steep um, disadvantage, I guess, coming in and and having to learn everything on the fly. And most of those guys end up getting cut. 
So I guess teams are like, what is the point of us? Like, are we going to give you our playbook and stuff? Uh, You know, like just why bother? I mean, these guys, there might not, there might be a week of training camp. Yeah. Just like anecdotally, I know like, for instance, the Seahawks do this every year where they run a entire rookie, like OTA, like a week long OTA where they build, they build out these rosters of UDFAs and rookie free agents plus just free agents that have been um, going through the process don't have a team all that stuff and and they build out like two 53 man rosters and they run like a regular like it was training camp they do that every year like the week after the draft it sounds like competition that sounds like somebody's competing <laughs> it's just it's a Pete competitive con- it's a competitive cauldron as pete would say um, hey, is that is that a is that a petism a cauldron i believe i believe that's what he calls it yeah I will say the one thing about this rookie class. So everyone in 2011 when the lockout happened and everybody said, oh, the rookie class, you can just write them off. They're not going to have OTAs, training camp, whatever. And then Cam Newton put up some of the best numbers in history. The 2011 (laughs) class was like one of the best in history, whether that's Julio Jones or AJ Green, JJ Watt is among them. Uh, I believe Blaine Gabbert was drafted in the middle of those guys there. Yeah. That was a little bit different. <laughs> but what I will say is I think the undrafted guys are going to suffer, but I don't think necessarily that we need to do the takes about the rookies. I think that the rookies are the rookies are going to be fine um, if history is any indication. All right, number six, Los Angeles Chargers with new uniforms. Wildly praised new uniforms. What's I loved them. I thought they were great, first of all. Um, they, did, they did the uniform thing right. Um, my pick here is Justin Herbert from Oregon. Um, mm. A lot of people have him going to the Dolphins as well, so that's kind of the flip-flop there. I don't really know exactly how it's going to go, but I, I planted the flag at Tua and the Dolphins, and so I'm going with Herbert with the Chargers. And that's a perfect situation for him, him to come in and and take his time, like we were just saying, and take his time. He's, they've got Tyra Taylor as a starter there. They don't necessarily have to start Herbert right away, but put him in there and see how he does kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I think you just all the smoke is that teams love Herbert maybe a lot more than sort of the media does, I think, because I think I agree with of, that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think a lot of media people are looking at his lack of accuracy, his spotty decision making at times. And then NFL teams are it, it really reminds me a lot of the Daniel Jones thing from last year where, um, you know, it, it was like, how could you take this guy in the top 10 teams see all the traits and they just think that they can develop that guy. That's like a coach thing. They think they can develop this guy and turn him into a star. And obviously, Daniel Jones was a lot better than I imagined he'd be as a rookie. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe Justin Herbert falls in his footsteps there. The Daniel Jones thing was a little bit weird. <laughs> a little bit weird? <laughs> well, it just in the, in the sense that like he was totally fine. Maybe fine being like... Like a the, positive? The top end. Yeah, no, like the top end of it. And yeah. yet... There are still people. There, there were obviously a ton of Daniel Jones detractors, and I was one of them. Same Robert May is one of them. You were one of them. Um, but obviously, other outlets had a bunch of them. Uh, our friend Mina Kimes was one of them. And there's yeah. just this like year long victory lap from Giants fans. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. This is not. We're not there yet. Not take over. it easy, everybody. Yeah. Take it easy. <laughs> All right, just I. The best thing you can say right now about Daniel Jones is that the jury is still out. Right. Exactly. Okay. So let's just live in that situation right now. <laughs> if you want, listen, if he turned out to be great, I'll turn getting me, I'll turn getting dunked on into content. It'll be great. We're going to love it. Yeah. But 
we're definitely not there yet. You cannot dunk on anybody yet. All right. <laughs> I agree. Number seven, Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, nope, I see. I already I, said it. Carolina. No, no surprise there. I think. Um, I don't think he's going to fall any further than this. He, he's he's just so good. He's such a good player. I think obviously the quarterback situation and the tackle situation could push him down the board a little bit, but. Um, for a team like the Panthers, getting him into that defense where he can do multiple different things for them, um, whether that's lining up sort of as like a slot corner, maybe like a, a safety, like Will Will linebacker, whatever he can kind of do it all. He can pass, he can uh, cover the pass, he can rush the passer, cover the run. Um, he's just very, very elusive, or very, very flexible, adaptable, high level player. I love him. I think he's he's going to be the one of the most fun players to come out of this draft, and I cannot wait to see how he ends up getting used in the in the NFL, just because he just has such a diverse skill set. Yeah, I thought the the discourse around him was sort of strange where like the last week everyone's like, "What are you stupid? He's not a safety." And it's like, <laughs> "Well, he doesn't we're not going to try to make him Ed Reed here. Like we can <laughs> he can p- do a bunch of different things on the field. No one's right. just going to put him at safety for the next 10 years. We can we can do some things with him here. Yeah, and this I think this is similar to the I guess the scheme fit argument for for quarterbacks because it it, i think it does matter if you if you get him into a team that does not want to use him for his skill set then maybe he's not worth a top 10 pick you know what i mean like if you don't have a creative defensive coordinator you should just you should not right not not be interested but if you're if you're willing and you have a plan you know to use him like honey badger or whatever was used early in his season early in his career and then again later now in, in his recent couple seasons um, if you have a plan to use him as a guy that can deal with uh, opponents mismatch creator type players, whether that's you know like a tight end or a running back or whatever, use that guy to neutralize the players that right. team the offensive teams are using to totally just run riot over you know defenses. Like then, yeah, I get that. Maybe he's not worth the top ten pick. Maybe you don't want to use him if he's just going to be only a box safety because box safeties are typically not worth top ten picks, but. If you want to use him all over the formation and keep him on the field all three downs to do different things, then I think then that versatility is what makes him so um, intriguing to me. So, yeah, it, it definitely matters where he lands. Where do you play him? I think, I mean, like, I think honestly, like I said, it depends on the down and it depends on the situation. Um, he mostly, well, he, he lined up kind of everywhere for Clemson, but he was over the yeah. slot over the slot a lot. So he has those yeah. coverage chops. He has he the played, ability. He, most of his snaps were uh, at essentially what amounts to cornerback playing in the slot. Yeah. And he's a little bit big, I think, to play like full-time corner. He's 6'4", 238. So he's right. not going to be like a cornerback necessarily. He, but he's he's, he's going to play, probably going to play most of his snaps at some sort of linebacker hybrid, right? Yeah, like a, like a guy that can... Yeah, come down into the box, play like a lurk role potentially, line up against, like I said, a, a good tight end, like line up against uh, Kelsey and and cover him or deploy him, you know, where you're taking away one of the offense's best players. It's like I like Belichick's not going to get his hands on him because he's just probably going to go off the board too early. But like a guy like that can see a player's unique talents, utilize yep. that in a system where every week he's playing a different role and he's the wild card and offensive coordinators never know what you're going to get from him. That's the value I think in him. So saying like, he's going to be a will linebacker in the NFL, go out there and run around. Like 
to me, that's not what he is. Like what he has, yeah, his upside is is his ability to do a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, these people who are debating about his position, I understand why you would do it. But instead of debating about his position, just debate whether or not you want to include him on your 11-person defense. And the answer is probably yes. <laughs> yeah. That's all. At-home fitness is more popular than ever now. People are trying all kinds of new activities like online fitness classes, running outside, and more. But more importantly, how are you monitoring your health during this time as you adapt to new routines? Whoop is the fitness tracker that provides 24-7 personalized data into your body's activities, sleep, and overall recovery. Unlike other trackers out there, it's going to tell you when to push and when to rest. So you'll know if you're ready to crush a body pump class or if it's okay to stay in bed and check out the latest mock draft. Right now, it could not be more important to have a product like the Whoop Fitness Tracker, especially since it tracks respiratory rate, which could signal potential illness in the body. Whoop is the best fitness and sleep monitor tracker out there. It accurately measures things like heart rate variability, resting heart rate, sleep recovery, and cardiovascular strain and has been validated by third-party studies for accuracy. Have you ever wondered how much sleep you might be losing when you're refreshing Twitter for NFL news right before bed? You can track that behavior and more with Whoop and sleep better with personalized insights to strengthen your immune system. Optimize your sleep and performance with Whoop. Train smarter and don't get out of shape while you're stuck at home. For our listeners, Whoop is offering 15% off with the code NFL Show at checkout. Go to Whoop, W H O O P.com, and enter NFL SHOW at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop. Uh, number eight. Yeah, so I went with, uh, I gave the Cardinals Jedrick Wills from Alabama tackle. Um, this one's pretty simple. Like he's just a plug and play right tackle. They need a right tackle to pair with DJ Humphreys. I think they could go defense here. Like defense is certainly an option because they need to improve that side of the ball. But I think giving Kyler Murray just a little bit more time to operate, he was running around quite a bit as a rookie and he still managed to make a lot of things happen. He was still very, very good. Still had a very extremely promising rookie season. I think he's an ascending player in the league, but if you give him a little bit more time, a little bit more stable protection, he he has the ability to carve up a defense. So mm-hmm. it is one of those things where like, does a, a good defense help him more than a good right tackle? I could see a team like talking themselves into either thing. Like the Seahawks will talk themselves into a defense over offensive line for the last 10 years. And this drives me nuts, but hopefully I think the Cardinals we'll see the value in what could be like an absolutely explosive offense and and think that has a higher impact on like whether they're winning games or not. So um, I went with Wills in this one. The Cardinals are going to just be so fun this year. I can't wait, man. I, yeah, like the offense getting DeAndre Hopkins in there. Uh, year two for w- Kyler. Watching them on, on September 25th when the season kicks off at UNLV's practice facility. <laughs> It's just, just going to be great. Just going to be an electric feel to the. It's going to be electric. To the empty yeah. stadium. Yeah, I can't wait to see <laughs> Kyler and the boys. All yeah. right, nine Jacksonville. All right, so for the Jags, went with Derek Brown of Auburn, defensive tackle. He's another guy that's kind of fallen, I think, in the eyes of a lot of analysts and and, and draft people over the last few weeks, last few months. Just can he bring the pass rush upside to make him worth a top ten pick? Is the huge question here. I think he certainly 
has the power and athleticism to do it. And you saw flashes of it at Auburn. You know, like he, he'll just dominate a rep at times. Um, but at the very least, the very floor is he's a dominant interior player who can like, you know, plug up the middle of the field. They, they were very get bad against the run last year. That's certainly not the most important thing in the NFL these days, but it will improve their defense in that area, like as a floor. And I, I do think he brings, um, the upside to develop into a good interior pass rusher. So um, I think a lot of people are just kind of worried because he didn't have a good, he didn't, he didn't test well as an athlete. And so people are worried about that now. Yeah. Someone said this the other day, I, I'm sorry, I forget who, but that Derek Brown joins a long list of players. I think Deshaun Watson being the most famous in the last decade where college football fans were like, just take this guy. Like what the hell is going on? And <laughs> yeah. people who follow the pros only don't necessarily get it. I mean, I right. would say even though he went really, really high, obviously, I'd say like Jalen Ramsey is somebody where it was just like, I looked at Jalen Ramsey. When Jalen Ramsey would play Miami, I'd be like, Lord, help us. Like, please, <laughs> I don't I don't want to watch this game. Like, this is going to be awful. <laughs> and, and then, yeah. you know, I feel like that kind of matters in a weird way. And Jalen Ramsey, obviously, is a, a superstar NFL player. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so... I do feel like sometimes we don't look at it from that way, but uh, it's definitely a thing. All right, 10, yep. Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'm going with Andrew Thomas from Georgia Offensive Tackle. Um, again, he's he, the, any of these tackles could go in any particular order, I think, at, come draft night, but I, I think the Browns and Thomas just make a lot of sense. He's a plug-and-play left tackle. Um, he's the, I think, most polished left tackle in the class, at least for mm-hmm. the first year. And so getting him into that, that offense, um, you know, where they're going to be running a lot, they're going to have a very balanced offense. Um, you know, that wide zone, I think he's athletic enough to run that. He ran his own zone running game at Georgia. So he just kind of fits there and, um, yeah, just plug him in there. And I think it just makes a lot of sense. You got to give, uh, you got to give Baker more time and get him sort of back on the horse and, and, and back to what we think he can be. So I think it's just, it's, it's one of those things where like, Tackles are almost kind of like a boring pick, I feel like, even though they're such an incredibly yeah. important part of the game. It's just kind of like boring, like more fun if they added like a receiver here or something. But um, yeah, solidifying that offensive line, I think will go a long way. All right. 11 New York Jets. Joe okay, Douglas back. is just going to keep building the offensive lines until they added. I, I'm not even sure. He's going to have one of those Pete Carroll compete cauldrons <laughs> with just 53 <laughs> offensive linemen over a weekend. <laughs> Yeah, so the Jets already have uh, Chuma Adoga from last year, and I believe he's going to probably end up playing on the right side. And then they they added mm-hmm. George Fant in, in free agency, big three year, thirty million dollar contract, I believe. Um, but I don't think that necessarily precludes them from taking a tackle. I don't think George Fant is necessarily the answer. You know, he he's a guy that could he could play on the right side for sure for them. So I'm adding Makai Becton here for for the Jets. From Louisville, you know, big guy, six foot seven, three hundred sixty-five ish pounds, very, very athletic. He has the highest, I think, ceiling of any tackle in this class, just because he's so athletic and so big, can do things that none of these other tackles can do with his length and in his power and all that. Um, I just think it's imperative that they get a support system around Sam Darnold. Like, what are they doing? They need to hurry, <laughs> and getting a left tackle, like a solid left tackle, who can. Help him avoid. So, like Sam Darnold, I think struggled the most last year and the year before when he like was trying to make 
something happen. You know, like he's like scrambling around like last second trying to like in the face pressure, just he would just make these terrible decisions. And that's kind of been the story of his career. But just give him that extra beat or two, man, and and he could maybe like take a next step forward next year. And so um, I think it's very, very important for them to get a left tackle. After this, there's a huge cliff uh, of the talent level after at the tackle position. I understand that Sam Darnold has a fifth-year option and all that, but he's going into his third year, and at some point, I, I got ratioed by Jets fans last summer for saying that the Jets <laughs> were going to waste Sam Darnold's rookie contract. Is there any path that they don't waste his rookie contract? I mean, I mean, presumably. So, so either Adam Gase turns it around this year, which is uncharacteristic of Adam Gase. <laughs> he has made the playoffs with the Dolphins, but I, I don't, I don't expect like a random fourteen win season, right? So, unless he makes the playoffs, he'll probably be fired, and then they're and starting then again start in over. his fourth year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I then they got to make a decision. Cheap then. Then, no, then they have to make a decision. That's what I'm saying. Then he just becomes expensive. And then it, start, it starts to impact. Once you get into year three and year four, it starts to impact, impact your long-term planning. And you can't go out and get these guys for a three-year deal, whatever. I mean, say what you will about Sammy Watkins. One of the things that Brad Veach told me was that when they signed Sammy Watkins, they structured it knowing when Mahomes is going to get expensive. This was Mahomes was a rookie before he was a starter. But they said, hey, if we mm-hmm. game this out and Mahomes is going to be a really good starter, we're going to have to pay him xyz and sammy watkins that contract was structured to be expensive before mahomes was paid and that's that's what's going to happen and so what i'm saying is that you the 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 shorter that window gets if it only becomes one year or two years you can't go out and sign a guy for three years i mean obviously that's that's how time works that time is linear and that's how it works (laughs) what i'm just saying is that i think that we overlook the just the flexibility that a younger and younger quarterback gives you and a quarterback in his third and fourth year uh does not have that from a cap standpoint yeah so yeah i I mean i think you hate to see it at the very least, I'm with you. They seem to be squandering what could be the prime time to load up on elite talent. Like you were saying, like load up on big contracts. like Or get any any elite talent. Yeah, so. they got they got Le'Veon Bell, and that's not working out. I mean, when is the when is he when are you gonna start listing elite talent? <laughs> they might trade Jamal Adams, who is an elite talent. Oh my god. Which I feel is bad. Exciting. Okay, let's just move on from the Jets. All um, right. <laughs> 12 Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, this one is another tough one because they could go in any different direction, but I I I feel they like can. I feel like Gruden's going to love Jerry Judy from Alabama, the receiver. Um he's a perfect fit for like that West Coast offense that's that's timing and precision and route running and he has he, he's the best route runner in the class, very like extremely fast feet. He can he can separate underneath. He can do it all in that West Coast offense and like give Derek Carr or whoever their quarterback is um, a target that will get open for him early in the route. And he can also get deep. He's also very good after the catch. You know, he's, he's definitely up there in terms of the best, one of the best receivers in this class. I actually have CD lamb rated high, like slightly higher than him, but I think Jerry Judy's very, very good, very high floor, very high ceiling receiver. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders, the Raiders are really interesting, and I think that a receiver could do them well. So we're only doing the first half of the draft here, but I do want to address this quickly. So with their second pick in the first round, you have them taking Jordan Love. Yeah, I just I feel like he's got he's going to go in the first round. I I just feel like that's an an eventuality, an inevitability. Um, and it was hard to figure out what team is going to take him, but I just feel like with the with the Raiders having two first round picks. 
They can grab an elite talent like a Jerry Judy at 12 and still yeah, potentially. Yeah, and you can still potentially grab a very high upside but risky uh, quarterback in Jordan Love a little bit later. There's you know a few teams in there that aren't likely to take quarterbacks. I already had the Dolphins taking a quarterback. So in theory, they can look at the board and say, none of these teams are super likely. It's, it's the 49ers, Buccaneers, Broncos, Falcons, Cowboys, and Dolphins in front of them. None of these teams are likely to take another quarterback. Now, obviously, someone can trade up, but you know that's maybe the risk that they're willing to take there. So I got them taking Jordan Love. I know that Raiders fans, uh, a couple of Raiders fans were not happy with me for doing that, but yeah, I feel like it, the writing has been on the wall that they're not super like satisfied with Derek Carr. Yeah, because he's a quarterback <laughs> who plays for John Gruden. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that too. There was a lot when I retweeted your thing. There were some Raiders fans who were very, very testy about your your quarterback selection. I mean, people get it. People get very upset about mock drafts. It's just kind of. It's this very interesting, fascinating subculture of people that get irate about mock yeah. draft situations. <laughs> so, yeah, let's not further inspect that. But what I will say <laughs> is, what I think is funny with the mock draft reaction culture, I guess you could say, yeah. is that every team is like, we're going to draft best player available. And everybody who observes the draft is like, best player available is always the way to go. And if you, have like two selections with the Raiders and then everyone's going to be like, nice job, asshole. You didn't get a cornerback. Like, wait, I thought we weren't <laughs> drafting for need, which has happened. Right. It's, it's every, it's every time. You know what and the truth is everybody drafts for need. <laughs> Best player available is a myth. Oh man. Yeah. All right. I, let's move on before we get more people mad at us. All right. Uh, San Francisco defending NFC champions. Another very tough one because I kind of was going back and forth between C.D. Lamb and Henry Ruggs. Ultimately, I ended up with Henry Ruggs to the 49ers. I just think they're going to be so fascinated with what he could bring to their offense, his ability to take the top off of defense. Um, they've already got a couple of very strong like tackle-breaking yards-after-the-catch type players in George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Henry Ruggs gives them a sort of different element, that speed element, that take-the-top-off-defense of element. And he's also good at yards after the catch. Like he he's a, he is has the capability of taking a slant and just getting you know taking it all the way to the house or whatever. And so I don't know. This is a tough one for me. I just see so many people who plugged in people connecting rugs to the 49ers. I don't have inside information on this in particular, but I do. Just it just feels like there's so many people connecting them. There's something there. I'm in agreement with you. Uh, the how the receiver pecking order. Plays out is really fascinating to me. Uh, Tampa Bay, the the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. <laughs> God, I can't believe you just said that. Um, I went I with jo- stroke. <laughs> I went with offensive tackle Josh Jones. Okay, he, he this is probably going to be perceived a reach by people, and if it does happen in the, on, in the mock draft reaction community, yes, exactly. Um, but I mean, he's coming off of he, he he was a standout at the Senior Bowl. Coaches got to see him there. Um, I think the Bucks clearly are kind of going all in on the season, bringing Gronk back, you know, um, bringing Brady in. They got a good defense already. Like getting getting an additional good player on their offensive line can only be a good thing for this year and beyond. Um, so 
you know, I don't they they're they're in the situation where they could go defense, but I feel like they're going to try and build around Brady in the in the short term. Getting an offensive tackle in there would be a, a boost for them. Yep, agree. Uh, over under Gronk games played, <laughs> and I'm going to set it at ten. Yeah, I was going to say ten. That's a good question, man. I, I feel it's got to be it's got to be under. I want to. My heart wants to say over, but my head's saying under. Deep down, this is just a coronavirus take. That word, because it's you know. There you go. It's that, complicated. That's, How many it, games yeah. are going to be on the schedule? When <laughs> we're all playing yeah. it at the Wide World of Sports at Disney. That's true. That's true. The AFC will be at the in Orlando. The NFC will be in UNLV. Um, all right. 15 Denver Broncos, John Elway. Yeah. Uh, CD Lamb, who is just high level talent receiver. I just think it makes so much sense for the for the Broncos to keep building around Drew Locke. If they want to if they want him to be the guy, I think they it feels like they they are optimistic that he's the mm-hmm. guy for them. They've been searching for the guy for years now. Um, and so putting a very strong sports system around him is, is going to give them kind of like, I guess, their best ability to have the, like, it'll give them a chance to have enough information to see, say whether this guy is the guy, if that makes any sense. And so getting him, pairing Lamb with Cortland Sutton, um, you know, obviously they got Noah Fant, who's on the come up at tight end. And I just think getting as much weapons around lock and kind of seeing what he can do it behooves him so i don't see lamb falling any further than this one 16 atlanta falcons who are rumored to be trying to trade up into the top 10 yeah so i didn't do trades actually in this in my final mock draft but i kind of baked this in a little bit because i could see them trading up for cj henderson Mm. um cj henderson is uh broadly considered to be the second best uh corner in this class and there's actually rumors that some teams have him as the number one corner in this class, which is yeah. kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, he, he's just one of those guys, like elite athlete. Um, teams, I think, believe that he can turn him into a better producer in terms of ball skills. He he, he produced more two years ago than this last year. But um, yeah, he's just high upside, extremely good athlete who um, it sounds like the Falcons really, really like him. Yeah, he's another guy who played against Miami, and I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's a good like most I, of my mo- most of my draft takes before the combine are did he they might did they own miami and the that's a great rubric yes. I'm, a, I'm gonna believe i'm a big believer in those things well, so yeah I, 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 it's kind of the cousin of the you should always do what your opponent doesn't want you to do thing so like yeah. your opponent never wants you to go for it on fourth down just do it your opponent yeah. doesn't want you to have a running quarterback. Get a running quarterback. <laughs> Don't make it easy on them. And I if there's a tortured, if there's it. a tortured fan base that's just like, oh Jesus Christ, this guy. <laughs> that's a good metric. The, this guy, like the, the Jesus Christ, this guy metric. I'm all in. All on right. That. Um, that's interesting um, about C.J. Henderson. Whether or not he's the top corner, um, I just. Corner play is so hard to to diagnose. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really, um, yeah, there. That's it, that's it. That's a whole different pod. All right, um, let's quickly do seventeen because I want to get into the Cowboys pick, and then we're going to do a couple of superlatives um, with the back end of the first round. Yeah, so I got uh, LSU pass rusher Caleb on chase on to the Cowboys. It came down to me between uh, Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina and Chase on here. Um, ultimately, I just think they they. 
spent money in free agency, the Cowboys did, to kind of shore up their interior defensive line. Grabbing an edge rusher here makes a lot of sense. He didn't produce as much as you'd hope um, in this last season in his career at LSU, but just very talented, very explosive pass rusher, great bend. Reminds me of uh, Brian Burns from last year a little bit in, in the way that he can kind of move, like just very uh, agile pass rusher that I think his upside is through the roof. So um, I really, really like him. All right. Give me the guy in the back half of the first round who you think should be considered a much better prospect than he is. <sighs> That's a really good question. So going through the the back half of the – in general, this whole draft I feel like has the elite blue trip, yeah. the elite blue chip group of guys, and then there's this really, really huge plateau of like quote second round talent that there's like 50 guys that could go in there or more. Um, so I would say a couple of players come to mind. Jalen Rager is the first one that comes to mind. I think he's I've got him mocked to the Eagles at number 21. So that's maybe even a little bit higher than a lot of people will have him. Some people might yeah, have wide receiver out of TCU. I just think he's, you know, very, very explosive. He actually has, this is kind of fascinating, is he has somewhat similar testing metrics to uh, DK Metcalf in the sense that Uh-oh. he's very, very explosive. Like Here he comes to the compete cauldron. <laughs> explosive vertical, like jump, broad jump. Um very good speed, straight line speed, but had like atrocious agility scores. And so like, it's like the DK Metcalf, uh, whatever, like prism or or spectrum in terms of athlete, but he's much shorter. He's like 5'11". So it's completely different type, like completely different look in in a player, but same type, same style, like explosive deep threat. One of the best deep threats in college football. Um, I think he's going to, he's an underrated player that I really, really like. Um, So he's, he's the guy that comes to mind. And then let's see here. Patrick Queen, I got him at 32. He's an ascending player to me, like one year of starting experience. Um, Did a lot of things that were just like jumped off the tape, like good instincts, incredible speed, very fluid, like flying around the field. Um, You know, he's a little undersized and lacks the experience of some of these other guys, but I think his his upside is, is absolutely incredible. So he's another player that I think could fall towards the end of the round or maybe into the second round, but um, he has the talent to be quite a bit higher. So you mocked this out to 64. Yeah. Is there, who's going to be the steal of the draft if you include the top 64? And I'm just looking through my list. So I I think the first guy. Can I stop you for one second? Yeah. Are we, I feel like Patrick Queen is a great candidate for us to be wondering why Patrick Queen dropped the Kansas City Chiefs in your scenario. <laughs> yes. Like if if yes. Patrick Queen goes 32nd to the Chiefs, I feel like we're all going to be like, what the hell was that? <laughs> why like did we December, let him fall to the Chiefs? In December when he's playing he's playing at the the Grand Floridian Hotel at Disney yeah. in the lobby <laughs> when they when their games were held there. We're going to be like, what was that? Why did, yeah. why did 31 teams pass on Patrick Queen? Am I wrong? No, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I, that that's why he stuck out to me. It's just like, like teams, are, I think, number one, he's not a pass rusher in in a, like a pure pass rusher. So maybe that's a reason he'll fall a little bit. But he he reminds me of like the Devin Bush from last year, just like a, like a heat-seeking missile, um, you know, that just flies around the field. Very, very fun to watch. So I absolutely agree with that. The one guy I was going to say that I think yeah. he's not getting as much heat as I thought he might. Um, let's get, let's, let's in, heat him up. 
Let's heat him uh, up. Jeff Gladney from TCU Corner. I believe I actually talked about him maybe a couple couple. Uh, you you got him going ago. 46 to the Broncos, replacing yeah, Chris so Harris. He this this cornerback class has a lot of very, very intriguing players in it. He, at least from what I've seen, is maybe not getting as much first round buzz that I that I thought he would, but you never know. It's one of those things that he could show up on, on, and come in the first round. But he's just he he plays with a chip on his shoulder. You love to see that, Kevin. You just love to see oh, it. Oh, you love to see it. <laughs> um, no, he he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's very very feisty, fiery, confident, super athletic. Um, he's a little undersized. He, he's kind of wiry, but he's just I just love watching him play. Like he he's sticky in coverage. He's very physical. He's fluid. There's just a lot to like about him, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that's like, how did he fall? How did, how did he make it to the second round? Because I think he's going to be a very good pro. I think I can't remember exactly where I have him on my big board, but it's it's definitely in the first round. Let me see. Let me pull it up here. Um, I've got him ranked 22nd on my big board. So if he falls into the second round, I think that's a huge steal. Danny Kelly. <laughs> what a journey. Six mock drafts. Yeah. We're finally there, sort of, almost, tomorrow. I cannot wait. What's your post-draft life look like? Um, I'm going to do... Fathering a, fathering a baby. Yeah. You're going to be a well, father. I already, I already fathered him, but yes. Well, no, I know that, but you're going to be a father. Let's <laughs> um, not get bogged down with semantics. Yeah. I think my, my plan is to like work for another week or two and then take a week off and just not think about the draft for that full week. Um. But yeah, it's uh, you know, I mean, I'm very excited to talk about where all these players land for the fantasy landscape. Like that's really exciting. Um, assuming there's going to be a fantasy football season, so yeah, <laughs> there will be. I think there will be. Yeah, it's all that's all there's going to be. No I'm, cheering I'm for anybody. Yeah, it's just we're just going to be watching it and and enjoying. It. I might have to play fantasy football just as an extra layer. <laughs> yes, because it's going to be so we weird. Did it. We did it. I think we that sports is going to return in like July, but it's going to be compact and weird. I think football will be have the normal season. I'm mostly joking when I talk about that whole thing. I think I think they'll have a full season. It'll just be in a different area. And there won't be yeah. fans there. But yeah. I just kind of feel like it's all going to be so strange that we're just going to need more more things. And <laughs> fantasy football might help. Are you, you are you a betting? Are you into betting? Are you a big better? Not not on not on the NFL. You're gonna be. I feel like no, I'm not. It's I, 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 there's a lot of th- rooting for a team, betting. All of those things are things that I, oh, I, I never got yeah. into as a journalist. Yeah. That's I fair. bet That's on uh, golf and all sorts of other dumb, a lot of soccer, <laughs> a lot of fighting sports. The only oh, yeah, things yeah. I win, I, I, I legitimately do win money on golf and uh, boxing. Nice, nice. Because I am a, a, someone from 1926. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Danny Kelly, it. thank you so much. All right, thank you. Okay, thank you to Danny Keller for joining us. We'll be back after the draft. Danny will be back. Mallory Rubin will be back. Uh, Going to have everything you need post-draft. It'll be a hell of a time, so we'll see you then.